being a football manager is an uncertain job at the best of times. By the time you listen to this, Steve Bruce might have already been sacked as Newcastle manager. But if not, he'll rack up his 1,000th game as a club boss before probably being sacked the week after that. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Unless there's a Saudi takeover in the near future, I'm expecting to be alongside our resident betting genius, Mark O'Hare, for at least the next few weeks. Uh, Mark, Newcastle are in action against Tottenham on Sunday. Whatever future transfers will bring, the truth is the current Newcastle squad isn't really very good, is it? (laughs) No, um, the league table says as much as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is quite a difficult one because we don't really know. There's obviously a lot of unknowns coming into this weekend. But I, I'm I'd be surprised if Steve Bruce is not in the job coming into this match on Sunday, not for sentimental values, but at least the voices coming out of them from the uh, the new owners is that they need a bit of time just to see what the lay of the land is at St James's Park and understand the process behind the scenes before making any moves. We we know there will be moves. We know Bruce will leave the job at some point soon, but um, at least for Sunday, I think it's going to be quite a lively atmosphere at St James's Park. It's sold out pretty quickly. We've seen the scenes on on Tyneside as well. They're they're pretty jubilant. Uh, they're absolutely buzzing for this and I think that will filter through to the players and you know I think it's worth kind of excluding that the sort of politics of the takeover from this completely because that's for other mediums to, to sort of uh, share but for us it's all about the betting really and I think the, the beauty of this game or this weekend is it's quite hard to quantify what that atmosphere will have on the game itself um, but I'm sort of a believer that uh, you know if there's going to be a frenetic lively atmosphere in, in the stadium and, and those Newcastle fans certainly know how to generate an atmosphere when needs be um, it should normally um, sort of have an effect on on the game we get to see so and that's been the way for Newcastle at least over the past six or nine months under Steve Bruce he seems to have altered his philosophy I know there's been a few tweaks in terms of uh, formation and system and how they've kind of operated but more often than not they've played on the front foot recently and games have been quite entertaining you everyone saw the the Friday night game against Leeds where there was 40 shots in that match very end-to-end and entertaining Newcastle have now scored in 19 of the last 24 Premier League games which is quite a remarkable record really going back to to late January uh, but both teams have scored in 18 of those games and Overs has played out in 16 of the last 26 in the Premier League so you know the goals have been on the agenda when Newcastle play this season alone uh, they are ranking third highest in terms of XG per game um, that's four and against and then the last three games alone Newcastle themselves have generated 4.5 non-penalty expected goals so they are taking an attacking approach coming into this weekend you're looking at the likes of uh, Wilson and Willock coming back into the fold I think Lascelles is, is fit as well uh, but defensively they've been ropey uh, so it might be gung-ho but they are conceding goals I think they've got the worst defence through the first seven rounds um, now I know Nuno isn't the kind of type to engage in an end-to-end shootout really but I think on occasion, you know, that kind of gets taken out of his out of his hands, really. And I think this might be one of those occasions, really, because of the atmosphere and because of how Newcastle will likely approach this match. And to be fair, it might play into Spurs' hands because, you know, Nuno and Tottenham have, have been probably at their best when playing counter-attacking football. You look at the players who've probably performed to their best for Spurs this season, you'd probably say Son and Lucas Moura, uh, both of the pace and ability to, to really hurt Newcastle in transitions. Harry Kane always tends to score against Newcastle. Um, and I think we saw against Aston Villa at 
a brighter Tottenham, uh, a Tottenham with more attacking edge. Uh, but defensively too, they've only kept three clean sheets in 17 away Premier League games going back to the last season too. So I'd be inclined to keep Newcastle on side just because of the atmosphere around the game. But I think the, the better or the sensible route here is to back goals. And uh, I think both teams to score at above 1.7 is, is probably the best play to have. I'm um, expecting it to be a really decent watch. Trying to think what a Saudi takeover of this show would look like. It might be Gary Lineker asking Maya Jammer and Idris Elba about Watford against Norwich. <laughs> uh, that might be how it turns out. Um, when it turns to expected goals and football analysis, we have enough money to go private. We've got the data doctor on call, Jake Osgathorpe from <laughs> Infogol. Jake, I looked at Spurs' price here. 2.16 in the match odds market. They've been very up and down and you've been quite scathing about them so far. That seems a little short given the fact that Mark has quite rightly said it's going to be quite a febrile atmosphere, I think, at St. James's Park. Yes, it is, yeah. And I think that, you know, you, you would have expected that to be factored into the price a little bit, but I still think that price for Spurs to win the game is about right. That's where I expect it. And that's mainly because of what Newcastle have shown us defensively so far this season, which is that only Norwich have been worse um, from an expected goal standpoint. They're allowing over two expected goals against per game, which is you know a horrendous return, really. And and it kind of shows just how gung ho they've been because they're creating the the ninth most chances in the Premier League based on XG, but they're conceding the second most. So they they're basically playing all out attacking football and leaving themselves well exposed. Um, and even if Bruce isn't in the job come Sunday, um, or if he is, I expect that same approach. Because if it's not Bruce, it most likely be Graham Jones, um, who is the sort of mastermind behind this more attack-minded Newcastle. Um, Tottenham, I have been scathing about them, and I will continue to be until I see a, a, a sort of consistent run of decent performances. The Villa game was a, a good start in which they created plenty of chances. It's something they've not been doing for a while. But even including that... They still rank uh, as the fourth worst attacking team in the Premier League based on expected goals through seven matches uh, and their third worst defensive team themselves. So, you know, the, in terms of expected goals against per game, the rankings go Norwich last, Newcastle second last, Tottenham third last. So effectively at St. James's Park, you've got two of the three worst att- defensive teams through um, the opening stretch of the, as a, of the season. Um, so again, I just have to side with what Mark was saying in terms of both teams to score being, being the main bet in this one. Um, 1.7 I think that's a very backable price still um, and yeah like what Mark was saying in terms of the added quality that Spurs have in attacking areas if it does, does become a you know ding dong you attack we attack kind of match then that Spurs price does start to appeal even more now even if there was a Saudi takeover we'd keep the odds compiler and betting expert Mark Stinchcomb uh, Stinch you want to take a look at Sunday's other game which is Everton West Ham Yeah, I think this one could be quite exciting, really in keeping with kind of West Ham's, um, I don't know if rejuvenation is the right word, but since this year, basically, they've they've just been really good. Um, Yeah. I was I was a bit apprehensive about them this season with the the departure of Jesse Lingard because it kind of felt as though their upturn in in performances 
was coincided with him. But if anything, they've I think they've evolved a little bit. Uh, for now, seems to have come to the fore a bit more. It's really good to see Ben Rama playing regularly because yeah. I think he was the one that was missing out a little bit. Um, then you've also got Suchek coming late from midfield, and Mikhail Antonio is you know turning into a you know really a kind of quite a good Premier League striker. Really, um, very very impressed uh, with him. And and when I've watched West Ham, what I've what I have quite liked about them, they just seem to have a little bit of relentlessness about them in terms of attacking like they don't just seem to settle for you know maybe one or, or two goals um they I've, yeah i've been i've been really impressed with them. it's kind of backed up with with what they've been doing as well so they're fourth for shots per game they're third for shots on target and they're, they're fourth for expected goals for and you know these are the sorts of um metrics we'd associate with you know liverpool city chelsea we expect them to all be up there so the fact that west ham are kind of you know rocking that boat kind of thing along with uh you know with brentford and, and brighton it's it's really it's really quite impressive um so i'm looking at over two and a half goals here at four to five um 20 of west ham's last 27 have gone over two and a half goals so you know strike rate of 74 percent uh, in that period, they've they've seen 3.22 per game, so you know, nice and healthy above above three. Um, can't say too much about Everton really because it's only seven games under Benitez. But I was surprised to see that, uh, and the reason I'm kind of happy to go with the bet. There's been 21 goals in Everton's games, so we're looking at again looking at three a game. Um, slightly concerned without if they might be without uh, Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin because obviously you know they, they would help contribute to the score but I'm happy to kind of side with the fact that this sort of West Ham I'm, I'm long term I'm, I'm kind of getting with here the fact that they've been really good going forward but I think as a result of that they've left a lot of gaps defensively and uh, yeah I, I can see this being sort of a, you know uh, definitely both teams to score but obviously that you know it's a little bit short so um, if both teams score I'd be surprised if we, we don't get a third goal so yeah over two and a half goals to c- carry on West Ham's trend. It's quite interesting, the Everton thing under Benitez, because I think people wrongly sometimes equate good organisation with negativity. And actually, that's not what he's about at all. If you look at you know his managerial career, Valencia played some great stuff when they were winning leagues under him. Uh, Liverpool played some terrific football at times, especially some of the games in the Champions League. They wiped the floor with Real Madrid in one particular game at Anfield where they were irresistible in attack. And he's done you know fairly basic things added a bit of pace out wide and that's made a massive difference to Everton's fortune. So I'm with you all the way there, Stinch. I think that's going to be a very exciting game. Worth bearing in mind, our fantastic multiples offer is running every day. Bet £20 on multiples or bet builders receive a £5 free bet to use on multiples or bet builders. T's and C's apply. Mark O'Hare, let's head to the championship, shall we? Uh, You've been looking at a South Wales derby for us. Yeah, looking forward to this. Uh, they're always feisty affairs and um, I don't think Sunday's game is going to be any different because it's a big game for both teams. I mean, it always is, stating the obvious, I guess, but neither Swansea nor Cardiff have really hit their straps this season. Uh, Swansea saw Steve Cooper leave on the eve, of the eve of the season. Russell Martin's come in, made slow but steady progress. The style of football has been overhauled, very much a possession-based team now, but he's continued the, the good defensive work that Cooper put in place as well. They've kept four clean sheets in the last six, six clean sheets over all and no team has kept more clean sheets in the championship going back to the start of last season than Swansea but uh, their main issue has been transferring their sort of possession dominance into goals and final third 
output. They've only scored nine goals this season. And I think the sort of season was encapsulated by the nil-nil draw against Derby before the international break, where they were much the better team, but just struggled when they got into the final third to, to translate that uh, dominance into goal mouth opportunities. And um, Cardiff, well, a lot was expected of them this season under Mick McCarthy, but they've unraveled a little bit, five defeats on the spin, including 4-0 and 5-1 defeats. Um, but the last game, uh, they went into it against Reading with questions about whether the players had lost confidence in McCarthy. They lost 1-0 to Reading, but the shot count was 25-2 in Cardiff's favour. So very unfortunate to lose that game. But the pressure is really on McCarthy now. If he doesn't get a good performance out of this game, uh, it could be terminal for him. So... But I think we know the drill now in these kind of big derby games, the pressurised games, that the goal expectancy tends to drop, uh, tends to go down a little bit. And there's no surprise really to see unders heavily odds on for this match. But uh, both teams to score no is still backable around 1.9. Now, the last eight Swansea-Cardiff meetings have all seen both teams to score no bank and it's 1.9 so immediately there's a, an angle there which kind of appeals six of those eight games featured no more than one goal um, so I think uh, again we've got to look towards opposing goals in this game Cardiff has scored once in the last eight hours of championship football Swansea have kept four clean sheets and five at home this season but three of those games ended nil nil uh, both of these two teams are in the bottom half for all the major attacking metrics uh, I'd just be really stunned if this game broke out into a shootout really um, but also I mean on Sunday morning if get the opportunity head into the bet builder um, look to oppose goals but also look to sort of chuck in a couple of cards as well um, it's always a red-blooded affair this and we've got a referee in James Leanington who's always quite happy to chuck him around when uh, when necessary too so yeah big pressurized game oppose goals get with the cards in the derby I thought it'd been a while in this weekend's shows without Mark mentioning violence, so I'm glad we got there <laughs> in the end. Uh, let's over, head over to France, shall we? Taking a bit of league and action. Jake, you've been taking a look at Troyes against Nice and Christophe Galtier's Nice, who I think have looked really good, actually, this season at times. They are the 1.88 favourites. Yeah, and, and they are the bet in this one. Um, you know, pre-season, I, along with quite a few others, were, were very high on... Nice's potential, obviously bringing in Galtier as the manager was a huge bonus, but they've done some nice business in the transfer window. Um, and, you know, what we've seen so far hasn't you know, changed my mind whatsoever. If anything, it's, it's made my thoughts even much stronger. Um, they sit third in the table, but they're actually ranking as the first, as the best team based on expected goal difference. So they've got the best XG process in France, better than PSG's. Uh, and the second, according to expected points, but by just 0.1 of an expected point. And that's having played a game fewer because of obviously the, the Nice-Marseille game was was postponed, so uh, abandoned. So all those numbers, the, the best attacking team in France, averaging over 2.4 expected goals for per game, which is a staggering number, a number we usually see from PSG. Um, and they're playing against a Troyes team who've, you know, they're about where they deserve to be, which is just above the relegation zone, the relegation playoff place. Um, struggling to create chances, averaging just one expected goals for per game themselves. And defensively, they look vulnerable. Um, so to see this price about Nice, 1.88, I have been, you know, I write a weekly column on site and tipping Nice pretty much every week because I think the price is just too big. I don't think the market's caught with just how, how much they've improved. Um, and yeah, 1.88 against a, a Troyes team that have won once in nine matches that are struggling to create chances just looks a little bit too big to me, especially factoring in all the things I've said in terms of the way in which Nice are going about the business, which is creating a, a ton of chances. So I expected this to be a little bit close to around the 1.75 mark. So 1.88, it's already moved. It was 1.92 uh, on Wednesday. So I expect that to shorten up 
Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet. So, Betfair is now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty. Let's finish up with the Bundesliga. Stinch, you're taking a look at Augsburg against Armenia. Uh, That's one that's going to get pulses racing across Europe. I have the crystal ball. It is telling me you don't think there'll be many goals here. Am I right? (laughs) You are very correct. Kevin. Well Easiest done. quiz question ever, I think. <laughs> yeah, no need for a phone in on that one. We, we're yeah. going to get that phone in going by the end of the season. I'm determined. So we're <laughs> going to make that happen. We're going to have a phone in episode that will just drop in. Nice. Uh, yeah, so uh, under two and a half goals, unsurprisingly, or I say unsurprisingly, because I've been back in unders in Armenia games. So maybe it's uh, not sort of unsurprising it's about time it's it's a it's sort of shorter price it's four to six and i you know i think that's about right to be honest uh between two teams that are going to be in the bottom four i think this season you know this is kind of a relegation six pointer um yeah. but having said all of that i'm very surprised to see that both teams to score no is the outsider so both teams score yes is four to five but no is, t- is uh, 10 to 11 and that f- just feels like the wrong way round, and arguably I would have no even even shorter than four to five. Um, so yeah, I really like the look of that. To be honest, um, fifteen of uh, Armenia's last twenty-one games have seen both teams to score no cop, so well over seventy percent. Um, we know what they do under Frank Kramer; they keep things very, very, very tight. Don't offer a lot going forward. They've just scored just eleven goals in in that period. Um, this season they managed just three in seven. They're um, really bad going forward, Stinch. They're really, they're, he, they've signed some quite interesting players like Robin Hack I like, Patrick Vimmer I like, but they just, you never, ever think they're going to score goals. And the one player they had who was a bit unpredictable last season, who was Ritsu Duan, has gone. And without him, they're, they're so plodding, aren't they, going forward? Yeah, and I think the something that you can't uh, put a number behind is something like confidence. And uh, I think... I've watched a couple of games when they've got into good positions. Someone like Fabian Close, for example, Bundesliga 2, he'd probably slot slot some of these chances away, but it just looks like the confidence is drained because they're just not used to being in these positions because these chances just don't happen. It's almost as if, you know, they've forgotten how to put them away. Um, so, it, you know, I think that's what those two go hand in hand, don't they? You know, poor, poor results and it sort of dents confidence quite, quite massively. So, yeah, um, the playing an Augsburg team who again they're really struggling this season both of these two are bottom two for uh, expected goals for so even worse than Firth and Bochum um, which is quite difficult in in a way um, Augsburg are bottom for shots per game and actually what I think is really interesting is both of these teams are averaging the lowest possession in the Bundesliga with just 38% so if they're not even having the ball it how are they even going to score the goals? You know, they're not even going to be able to create attacks, let alone score any goals. Um, both teams score no, would have won in 10 of Augsburg's last 16 games. So, you know, similar sort of trend. And actually these two games last season finished 0-0 and 1-0. So, yeah, I think kind of similar to, to Mark's uh, Welsh uh, derby bet. Uh, essentially, it's going to be tight and cagey. So, both teams score no when it's not the favourite, I think is, is easily the way to go in this match. 
Yeah, that might be one to watch on Teletext. That's all we have time uh, for. as a reference for the teenagers. That's all we have time for on this episode of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Loads of good stuff, by the way, on our website, betting.betfair.com. Uh, we've got columns from the guys, loads of uh, European stuff. There's a dedicated column on the Bundesliga, on Serie A, on La Liga, on Liga. Loads of Champions League preview stuff as well. So check that out at betting.betfair.com. From Jake, from Stinch, from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now. 